Hi, and welcome to MovieFail Podcast. I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield, and we're going to be discussing Godzilla, uh, Gareth Edwards' new film, um, which just released uh, this past week. Um, so we've both written our uh, little mini-reviews, and I think I'll let, um, I'll let Josh uh, start off uh, and sort of maybe introduce the film a little bit, and then we'll talk about uh, what we, how we felt about it. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. Uh, well, this is Godzilla 2014. It's a obviously reboot of the franchise directed by Gareth Edwards, who is a director who previously made the film Monsters, a really tiny uh, film that was made for, I, th- I think, under a million dollars, which is crazy because there's some cool special effects at the end of that film. I remember really liking that film. I hundred, really hundred million? It in a while. Was it a hundred million? It was under a million. Under a million. Oh, I thought you said a hundred million. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Very, very different number. <laughs> yeah. I remember liking that film. I don't really remember. I would have to go back probably and see if I still like it. Um, cause it was a while ago. It came out in t- 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I really liked his Godzilla. I thought it was just absolutely fantastic. Very much not what I was expecting and not, I think what a lot of people were expecting just in terms of, its uh, treatment of the titular character. Um, Godzilla is not... It's, it's weird. Godzilla is not a... is a strong presence in the film, but not really a character in a way. And that's maybe... Some, it's, it goes back to the earlier, I think, films from like the 50s and 60s, uh, or really just the first film, where Godzilla was this force of nature and not necessarily a conscious being, although there are indications of that in the film as well, which are, which are interesting that we can get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like this notion that Godzilla was just, and, um, well, we'll, we'll get into spoilers later, but that Godzilla is just this kind of, you know, natural force, this other thing that nature creates that is much more powerful than humans, much greater than humans, and that it kind of forces us to reckon with this arrogance that humanity has where we think of ourselves as ruling the planet. And in this film, humanity kind of has to look up at this gigantic monster that they have no control over no matter what they do. They cannot do anything to it. And realize like wow okay so our ego is nothing but that it's just ego it's not based in in any real facts because look at this thing that came from earth just like we did that is totally out of our control right right yeah um you know it's funny i actually agree with all of that i think that's a really cool idea (laughs) uh in concept um so i i i gotta say this is the first thing i have to say i am genuinely genuinely surprised that you did not come away from this film absolutely hating it and i'm and the reason for this (laughs) i i I can't even believe it this is stunning to me it really is because i felt like you watching this because i you know the the last couple of movies i've enjoyed have been movies that you've (laughs) just crapped on for the same sorts of reasons i i feel like or, or often it's a it's a similar sort of thing where um i mean just okay well why don't i get into my I'll get into my perspective. So, 
I really liked Monsters. I thought it was. I was really surprised. I thought I was going to watch it and be like, "Oh, it's going to be like a low budget movie that might have some merit," but it's not. Um, I thought it was genuinely entertaining. It was not a. Um, uh, it wasn't a, a fantastic film, but it was a good film with problems, but a lot of things that you could mostly attribute to uh, to low budget. The fact that it was low budget. Uh, and genuinely, I, I genuinely enjoyed the experience. I, I started it and I was sucked into it and I was, I thought that was a really cool, um, uh, a really cool use of, you know, such low budget, uh, such a low budget. And so I really thought that was really cool. I also appreciated, I don't know if you noticed there were like these, that the very brief homage in this, uh, film, uh, to monsters, uh, when they go into the radioactive zone or whatever the zone is that they're not allowed to be in. And there's a sign that says, something like Radioactive Zone or something like that, but it looks just like the sign from Monsters. Um, oh, I didn't pick up on that. That's funny. Yeah, and then they're all wearing gas masks in that scene, which is, of course, straight from that. So, yeah, I, I appreciated that little homage. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, so I really enjoyed uh, Monsters. I thought it was really solid. Um, I thought what was really interesting about that film is that um, I thought it, every, a lot of people said it was a very weird choice for Gareth Edwards to direct Godzilla because Godzilla is not a movie where the monsters take a backseat to the humans and the humans get the front, you know, sort of front and center treatment, uh, which is what monsters was about. It was all about this, this pairing of, uh, uh, this guy and this, this girl and they have to go and, you know, get out of South Central America, Mexico and get back into the United States. And that's what the story's about. The monsters are really second fiddle. They're mostly just a problem, like a, a thing to get past to get back into the States. Um, and of course, as I said in my little written review, um, that all served as a parable for um, for immigration. Uh, Godzilla, on the other hand, uh, like I said um, in, the, in the little written thing, was a character who initially represented sort of this reaction, Japanese reaction to the nuclear uh, weapons used in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and uh, that's what it was originally, and then it just became this, like, every, you know, year or so, or whatever the, the frequency was, they would release these, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong, Godzilla versus, uh, you know, Mothra, or whatever, and, and, and it became just the silly, like, rubber-suited people fight, you know, very Power Rangers-like, very silly, um, goofy thing that really lost its... Um, Meaning in that respect, but it doesn't. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it, it was the Toho films were were very campy and fun, and people enjoyed them. And I don't at the time, I don't know how campy they felt, but they certainly um, people liked them, and they were they were very escapist. This movie, and I was wondering how he was going to handle this, and I'm not happy with how it happened. It was neither like Monsters, nor was it like the Toho films. It was this weird amalgamation of. Uh, silliness like the design of Godzilla which was straight out of the original which is which is great and cool and that's cool I don't mind references or you know keeping that sort of thing the same for nostalgia um it was a mix of that with this just the worst exposition and seriousness that I've ever seen in such a big budget film in a very long time uh, especially with somebody who put so much thought and effort into their first movie so I was just I was really unhappy and I'm mostly referring to Ken Watanabe here because his entire character I every time he was on screen I was just shaking my head I, I actually laughed several times at the movie I couldn't believe the words coming out of his mouth that they were serious and worst part is 
couldn't even figure out what the message was supposed to be. I had no idea. I didn't get it at all. The idea of nature, what you're saying about Godzilla being a force of nature sort of bring balance back to the world, totally makes sense. That works for me. What Ken Watanabe was talking about, well, don't use the nuclear weapon. It would be bad. Why? Just because it was used in Japan? I mean, that that's a totally legitimate argument to make, but it has nothing to do with Godzilla. Like, there's no connection there, and he just keeps talking and using these, like, grandiose statements about humanity and humanity's role in the world and how Godzilla is, like, our only hope for salvation. I don't know. It just it didn't work for me on pretty much I any think, level. I think the nuclear bomb thing actually was... It was uh, worked in with the overarching themes of the film pretty well. I, I think why the reason he didn't want or was discouraging the use of nuclear weapons was because the the MUTOs uh, feed off radiation. So the reason they couldn't kill Godzilla uh, back in the day, back in ni- 1954, which is a cute shout-out to the year the original yeah, film was released, right. um, was that that's what they feed off of. They feed off of radiation. Right, he has atomic so breath that, or whatever, yeah. I mean, yeah, Godzilla exactly. does too, yeah. So... It, it makes sense to it makes sense to me that like if that was his our, argument, but power... but that wasn't what he was saying. That wasn't what it didn't seem like. That's what he was saying at all. It seemed like he was he was implying that we shouldn't use it. You know, he that whole stopwatch scene or um, not stopwatch, um, a pocket watch scene where he takes out you know stopwatch, yeah, 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 and it was stopped. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, and he shows it to uh, David Strathairn, and he's like, "This was in." You know, I, my my father had this in Nagasaki or whatever, and you're just like, you know, like it's as it's it's interesting. I guess has nothing to do with what's going on. I'm like, that's great. What does this have to do with Godzilla? He's not going. I'm a scientist. This will just piss them off slash make them stronger. He's saying, don't use this. My father died in in an atomic blast, and then he just like <laughs> begs them for the rest of the movie, and then fails, and they try to do it. Yeah, anyway. that's. That scene was baffling, uh, the watch scene, and I think it was kind of just... Uh, Maybe it was part of something that was tied, because it didn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, it was, it was a callback, I think, to just the themes of the original movie, right. which weren't necessarily the themes of this movie, which was, um, you know, in that movie, it was because of our use of nuclear weapons that Godzilla was created. And right. basically the message was a quasi-environmental one, which was because we have tampered with nature and introduced this horrible thing to nature... It has this thing has risen to punish us. In this movie, it's different though, and I think it's changed just enough to be a very distinct thing from the original, but also have a pretty strong tie to it. Where uh, we didn't create Godzilla; Godzilla has always been here, and even with the most you know, even with the most force that we can possibly exert on the Earth, that does nothing to Godzilla. Right. Um, and even you know, you know the even. The, with the radiation, that's what they they eat radiation. That ma- it only makes them stronger. Right. And yeah, I, I agree. The watch scene was was weird because it didn't really. It was just kind of uh, a throwback to the original that didn't totally fit. And that's just yeah. The, it was just kind of like right. But then when he begs like, him afterwards, that, yeah. it seemed like he was referring back to the stop to the stopped watch um, when he. When he talks about it afterwards, he's like, you know, they're in the the room and he's like, you know, we're going to launch the bomb or whatever. And he says, um, you know, he's like, please don't. And you, the last thing we heard him talk about this was this watch thing. And so you get this impression that he's, he's talking again about World War II. And it's just, the whole thing just was very weird. But also just nobody talks like that. I mean, his, his comments are so, 
so grandiose. His I felt bad for Ken Watanabe because he's a great actor. Don't get me wrong, I really like him. But the the script he had to deal with, I mean, there was nothing he could do with it. He gave it as much like import as he could, but it was just so silly. Um, and then, I mean, I, this just speaking of actors who are in this movie for apparently no reason. Um, why why was Brian Cranston or Julia uh, Julia Binoche in this film at all? I, I honestly I think the first act of this film had nothing to do with the movie. I honestly have no idea why it was even in there. You know, it, you, you you mentioned in your review, you said um, it takes a while to get to Godzilla, uh, and I would say that's fine if you have something to fill that time with, but this was just nothing. It didn't mean anything. Uh, the storyline had nothing to do with, um, tone, like, thematically with the story. Like, it, there was no back and forth. There was no, um, there was no like, parallel storyline going on with the monsters. It was just filler and then a monster fight, which was cool. Um, but doesn't happen until like the third act of the film. Um, I I see where you're coming from, absolutely on that. And I, you're not the only one to kind of complain about the first act being really slow because it takes. Uh, it is. It's a lot of Brian Cranston and Aaron Taylor Johnson, um, or mostly Brian Cranston in the first act, yelling at people <laughs> and running away. That, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And running away from from collapsing buildings, uh, which is fine because I think Brian. I'm sure you'll agree. Brian Cranston's a really compelling actor, and he's just Brian Cranstoning it up in this movie. Um, so it didn't bother me because I think just the mystery elements were really compelling. Because um, I don't think it's really a spoiler to say that there are we can we can spoil. Monsters. I'll put a spoiler warning in. Don't worry about it. All right. So yeah. The, these other uh, the, the the mutos the yeah. non Godzilla monsters. Um, there, I liked the element of mystery to that because as much as Godzilla is withheld, it's more teasing in that because we we basically we know what Godzilla is, we know what Godzilla looks like, so it's more like teasing is like a, we're going to give you the thing you want. But I think the first act more serves to it's it's tension as well, but it's more of a mystery. You know, we don't know what's going on. We don't is this. We don't know if this is how they're introducing Godzilla. There's this kind of a surprise when they ultimately get to it. I think that it's we're not talking about Godzilla at all right now. We're talking about this whole other thing. We've been introducing the the villain of this movie. So I liked. I I I found it compelling. I was willing to go along with it. You know, if it led to something kind of equally exciting and if it led to kind of the meat of the story. And did it go on for a little long? I mean, maybe, but I, I don't know. Personally, it really didn't bother me. I really was, I was going along with it and just kind of, I, I, I was in it. I mean, if I know other people, if you weren't in it, then that's totally fair. And I understand <laughs> that, um, you know. No, like but I that's get, just, like I, but it, I really do. Here was my problem. Here's my problem. I know Gareth Edwards, and I. So one thing to just a caveat to to throw in there: um, in Monsters, the two main actors are actually in real life a couple, which elevated the fact that they are not like the best actors in the world uh, because the romance seemed real because it was real, um, and I thought that was really cool. But um, but that aside, I just want to put that caveat in there: the nature of that human story, which the whole movie is mostly about. Uh, was so interesting and so well done and carried the entire film. And so it's not that this is so flat, it's that it's this in-between 
where it doesn't have a real connection to the main story outside of plot. I mean, like, emotionally, thematically, any of that. It doesn't have... Um, hold on. It doesn't connect to the... Um, it doesn't connect to... I'm going to repeat myself. Um, it doesn't connect to the e- emotional uh, arc of the film. It doesn't connect to the thematic arc of the film. Uh, the only point of that story is to introduce uh, Godzilla's adversary. Uh, and to me, that just wasn't compelling at all. Uh, especially since in Monsters, like I said, there, there's an absolute meaning and, and reason for the entire movie focusing on this relationship between these two young people. Um, here, the entire thing, you know, Brian Cranston's looking for his wife, who we just met. She died. That happened in about 15 seconds. No idea why you had to hire, like, one of the world's best actresses for that role. Um, and then Brian Cranston, who we don't really care about because we don't really know him. All we know is he lost his wife, and that kind of sucks. But he's still complaining about it 10 years later. He's still, like, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and, th- again, the only point being to introduce Mudo and all these, you know, and these... these these two monsters who end up fighting Godzilla in the end. Um, so that really bothered me. And then, you know, it, you said in your review, and this this is what I really don't get, I would have been fine with flat, uninteresting, boring human characters. 15-minute uh, intro, these are the, your main characters, you're following them, they're not relevant, all that matters is that you're going to follow them as things go down. Um, I think a good movie that a movie that really did that really well, in my opinion, was Cloverfield. Really took two characters or a couple of characters who you just uh, got to know. They weren't super deep, that so you didn't know their backstories. All you do is see them at the beginning of this big disaster and see them sort of try and survive the whole thing uh, throughout the movie. Uh, and there's very little depth to what's going on. Um, I would have been fine with that, but here they spent like an hour, an hour building this relationship with. Aaron Taylor Johnson and his um, and and Brian Cranston uh, that absolutely I didn't care about. It didn't mean anything to me, but it was also taking up my time, and that's the part where I was really uninterested in it. And the other thing is, it wasn't. It, not only was it uh, did they spend all this time on the story, but then they made him into this character who became central to the story simply because he's an explosive expert, which somehow means that he's an expert on nuclear materials and means that he can retrograde a, a timer. Um, on a, I mean, that whole thing made absolutely no sense. But, but they, you, you talk about uh, humans being sort of not the center of attention uh, and because, you know, humans can't do anything when Godzilla's around, and I agree with that. But they didn't do that with these characters. They made them important. Or at least they made Aaron Tyler Johnson's character important. They didn't make um, Ford. I think his name is Ford. Uh, but they didn't make his wife important. They didn't make his kid important. Brian Cranston's not important because he doesn't really do anything except say, I think this is not... Uh, I think there's talking, you know, or something, whatever he says in the beginning. There's absolutely no, like, real reason for his existence. And somehow the scientists never picked up on this. Um, so, yeah, it for me, it just didn't work at all on that level. And that's you not know, even getting into the everything else that I couldn't even handle in the movie. But anyway, go ahead. I think that's intentional. I really do. I feel like there is a thematic through line in this film that is all about the insignificance of humanity. And I think it's important that we get this first act where we have this father-son relationship and it ends, yeah, rather ignominiously. And that's, you know, I think that leads into what we get in the second two acts, which is this kind of, you know, humanity being in the shadow of these monsters. Because once that's done, these monsters are out there and the rest of the movie is, you know, following them. 
So I think it. I think it works, and I think I agree with you on Juliette Binoche. Um, you know, it, I feel like yeah, it's a name to put on the poster. Um, and so is Brian. To be honest, so is Brian Cranston. I if I saw that movie for yeah. Brian Cranston, I'd be upset. I really the, would. A lot of the trailers were focused on him. I thought he was going to play a larger role. I mean, part um, of it is that they kept showing things from the first act, so they didn't have to show any of the monster stuff going on. And so, yeah. so you're going to get a lot of Brian Cranston because he's in the first act a lot. Uh, but then he's gone. I actually, when he died, I was furious. I, I was, and not because I like loved Brian Cranston, but I was just, I felt so duped. I had forgot Julia Binoche was in it. Then she's in it. Then she's dead in about five seconds. And then Brian Cranston's in it. And we're like, okay, well, at least Brian Cranston's still in it. Nope. And then he's gone. Uh, and then we're left with Aaron Taylor Johnson, who, by the way, I don't dislike, uh, and Elizabeth Olsen, uh, who I also, I, I don't have no, have no particular qualms with. Um, and I've liked Aaron Taylor Johnson in the past. But their characters do not carry the film. Like, there's nothing. As soon as Brian Cranston, as silly and dumb and quick and shallow, his uh, reason uh, for for doing what he did is, you know, with it, where his wife dies, it was something. After that, Aaron Taylor Johnson's only motivation is to get back to his family, I guess. Um, which we will get into soon, because the third act of the film both contains the worst and best parts of this movie, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, think, yeah, it didn't, it, it just didn't make any sense to me. I think that does make sense, because I think, I think there's a, a realism to that. Because I, le- I actually appreciated the uh, the fact that they didn't try to shoehorn in, you know, ulterior motivations for most of these characters. The Brian Cranston stuff is kind of necessary because then we have at least some, at least a little bit of human connection to uh, the monster. And really, it turns the Mutos into a villain right off the bat. Because now we understand, I think, on a deeper, more emotional level through Brian Cranston and through, you know, to an extent, Juliette Binoche. It's like, all right, well... There can be a distance, I think, in movies um, from death, especially in these destruction movies where humans are so small. So I think right off the bat it establishes that there is a human impact uh, to what the mutas are doing and that there it, it's, it's intensely personal. It's the death of one person that's really being focused on mm-hmm. and the kind of long-term, over a decade and a half, impact that it has on this man's life and, and his son's life. Yeah, as an extension, and so I think it worked. And I think that just be—I think there was a realism to the fact that the characters didn't have any kind of screenwriterly motivations. I and I liked it because, you know, most people don't like. You know, I don't. You know, when I go you drive to go get some milk, I'm not. I'm not doing it because of my complicated relationship with my mother, or you know, my backstory, or whatever. Yeah, so I think it made sense that, like, it, I think I was fine with it. It, it might have been. I, was fine I, with the I fact understand. That all he wanted to do was go home, and I was fine with the fact that, you know, even the exposition to an extent, I was like, well, I, like I agree with you. It is kind of it's very clearly, very blatantly, you know, we need the audience to hear this, uh, so we're gonna have people say it. But on the other hand, I think it was justified because the characters they were saying it to don't didn't know it so they did need so they needed to hear it whereas i think a lot of the time you get these scenes where it's like very characters explaining things to other characters that the other characters already know mm-hmm. like the like the as you know you know what i mean right, like, right, well, right. as you know this this and this and obviously like well if they know that why are you, why saying are you explaining it? Yeah, it to yeah. them 
Um, and I don't think there's a lot of as you knowing in Godzilla, even if there is a lot of a lot of exposition. But then there is kind of also a thematic element to that as well, maybe, where these a lot of these characters, especially the Ken Watanabe character, are tools. They're utilitarian. And I think there's a tie to Godzilla in that way. Godzilla is, you know, a tool of nature. And he has a job to do. And it's not even like, uh, it's not like a career or anything. It's like, this is his job is as a creature, his function. So, and all the characters that we meet, are serving a function in life. Aaron uh, Ford is this, he's a bomb disposal expert, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his right. wife is and a Elizabeth, nurse. And, and, right, and the scientists and the military guys. Elizabeth Olsen, Olsen serves the uh, role of worst mother. Um, yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> uh, so, um, no, no, no. You know, actually, going back to the uh, characters um, that you were saying, the thin motivation... I would have been fine with thin motivated character. Like I said, we don't need a lot of information on why characters are doing what they're doing. But the thing is, they give Brian Cranston a lot. Uh, you know, they really like as as thin as it is. It's still as thin in terms of our emotional investment because we just met Julia Benoist and then she's dead. As as thin as that is, um, it's something, and it's a whole scene, and it's how the movie opens, which gives it some force and impact. And then all of that's taken away, so there's nothing left. So there's a comparison all of a sudden between Brian Cranston and Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, where first one has a motivation and then one doesn't. If there was no one with any motivation and it wasn't really like, and the simple motivation was just getting to your family, which is, by the way, a great motivation for a character in a show. Like, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a totally legitimate, simple, quick, easy thing. And I would have been fine with that, honestly. This movie should have opened with Aaron Taylor Johnson and his kid and his wife and he goes to Japan because he's in the army already. It's not that hard to come up with a reason for him to be in Japan. And he happens to be at the facility when everything goes wrong. And he knows that the monster's coming to San Francisco. And he makes it his mission to get back and help his family. That would be a totally fine plotline. There's no need for any of the Brian Cranston stuff. And as far as tools are consider- concerned, I think that would be a really cool theme. What you described sounds like a great movie. They, y- If you're going to go that route, though, you've got to really make, like, you, it, it feels like you're pulling meaning out of a thing that didn't have meaning. I would have been interested in that sort of movie, where Ken Watanabe's character clearly plays a role. But, like, I don't even know what he did in this movie. He he didn't do anything. He didn't do a single thing in this film. He His actions, he had no actions in this film. He didn't have an action. He said a lot of well, yeah, but things. I- that's it. Again, I think that, you know, if you think about it, go back through, if you go back through the film, not a single human character does anything. And when it's that, you know, blatant, when it's not like, you know, when it gets to a point where you're not just... Well, Aaron Taylor Johnson's character does. Things that stand out. Well, he doesn't though, really. If you think about it, he kind of runs around and jumps places and falls off things, but Ultimately, like, what does he accomplish besides getting back to his family? He doesn't defeat... He has defeat... no impact on the, on the monster story. He doesn't do impact the monster story. No, 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 I agree with that. But he does do something. He's still open... I understand... Like, even if they had had Ken Watanabe, um, even just... You know, if a movie had opened with him working on something with the monsters and then cut to that story that I just made up off the top of my head, that would have been fine because then you would have seen... That he's the scientist character and did, but he didn't even act like a scientist. He didn't do any of those things. Aaron Taylor Johnson at least retrofitted the nuclear bomb so that it wasn't uh, electric, so that the Mudo wouldn't deactivate it. Um, so while it wasn't, it ultimately didn't matter because 
it didn't work at all and they didn't get to use it on the monsters at all. Uh, and Godzilla ended up dealing with all of that. Um, it was still something like Ken Watanabe didn't even do anything in this movie. Like, I, I don't know. He, he, so, so, but then he becomes, I understand thematically why that could work, but it wasn't clear to me that that was a thematic choice. And because it wasn't clear to me, all he looked like was a guy standing around saying really, um, obtuse, big facts about the world that he believes based on, I don't know what, I don't know how much he knows, seems to know about Godzilla somehow, but that's it. I mean, that's all the character does. But his whole thing as, as well as the whole is summed up in uh, that his great line, let them fight. That's his whole thing is like, we sh- not only can we not do anything about this, we should not do anything about this. This is na- let nature sort itself out. And I get that that's not like very interesting to watch maybe, but I think it's, in- I think it works within the thematic bounds of the film. Um, and I, yeah, obviously like, would I like a film where Ken Watanabe was a really compelling and fascinating and complex character? Sure. But that's not this film. And I think that's, I was okay with that. Like I said, I don't need a characters, these characters to be super deep and interesting. That's, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, I like dread, you know, we, we (laughs) have, we've had our differences over dread, but that movie does not feature characters with deep, interesting arcs. That's not the premise of that film. Um, or at least, at least especially in the main character. So, like, that's not something I necessarily need. But, um, especially in a movie about monsters. But it takes an hour to get to those monsters. It takes another, like, 30, 40 minutes before we get to see the full fight. Every time there's about to be a fight, they cut away over and over, teasing us, I'm sure. Quote, you know, I'm sure that's the way they were like, we're going to tease them with this fight and tease them with that fight. Yeah, okay, well, I came here to watch monsters punch each other, and you keep cutting it away. Uh... And honestly, I'm gonna—I I will completely admit this. The two Mudo, the way the Mudos die, each one of those deaths, is awesome. Great, great, great moment. Uh, it's just every other part that leads up to it that I—I couldn't—I couldn't reconcile reconcile what I was watching with, um, or justify. I guess is probably the better word. Uh, the amount of time it took to get there, uh, and the excessive time spent on characters if they really are supposed to be that shallow why spend any time on them i don't i don't know what well, the I point think the is. reason though is that this entire film is presented from a human perspective so and i like the choice that uh gareth edwards made of sh- uh, in his shots um almost every single one is either from the ground or it's you know out a window of a skyscraper on top of a roof maybe if he wants to get up high and the occasional helicopter shot but the and then again, there's a lot of helicopters in this movie. Right. So, and I think seeing it from a human perspective allow it works, and it allows him to do things like cut away from the first big monster fight, which I was, I love, I was, I was like, it's such a weird backwards emotion to have at this moment when they cut away from the first monster fight and they were just showing the news footage instead, and they never cut back to it. That made me so happy. I loved that moment. Because it, it it worked so well with what the film was trying to do, which was put the audience, take the audience out of the comfort the comfort that a movie usually gives you of the you know God's eye perspective of you know, looking over all this with this omnipotent view, and it keeps the audience at a safe distance. Whereas if but, you're at a human perspective, you're forced to confront the same things that all these characters are confronting. And I think when you say spending time with the characters, that's exactly what the movie is doing. The movie is forcing us to not 
you know, be is be human, basically, is forcing us to look at the fact that we are human. And if this happened, this is the position we would be in. We probably wouldn't be flying around seeing these monsters in, in wide shots always fighting. We would probably see the monsters fighting on the news, or we would see a glimpse of them rounding a building or through dust. And I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And like, oh, that dust thing got me so upset. <laughs> every five sec, every time that anything's about to happen, just dust out of nowhere, huge billowing clouds of dust. Even when Godzilla shows up uh, to like and looks at Aaron Taylor Johnson briefly, uh, or maybe that's. Maybe it's the Mudo or something. Anyway, but it just it appears, looks at him, and then, like, disappears into this cloud. And oh, that that, that was, like, the fifth time and it happened where, like, something had been obscured by it. And I was like, where is this dust coming from? I know it's, like, buildings have crashed or whatever. Um, but it just, it was so, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, realistic dust. It was, like, special dust. It was, like, Disney, it was, like, Simpsons clouds, you know, parting. That's the kind of dust we were dealing with here and it was just so absurd like the 15th 16th time we were sitting through it that i don't know that that just really it's a minor point but i think the dust comes from this 9-11 imagery that the film draws on a lot i was gonna um, get into that in a second yeah yeah and i think it actually draws on it in a very measured way and in a very appropriate way because of the human perspective um and i think that you know the dust is a major part of that and it i think goes to the confusion of the human perspective and not being able to always see what's going on or, you know, which we get again with uh, seeing the monster fight on the news. Um, and the moment you mentioned, by the way, where uh, Godzilla is on the ground and he just looks at Aaron Taylor Johnson, yeah. I, that was just, I got chills. I loved that moment I loved, so I loved, much. I loved the look. The look was great, but the, but then the freaking cloud smoke stuff i that i don't why why just just let it walk away let let it walk away um the little things i did like in this movie there were little mon uh sort of uh uh motifs that sort of referenced uh jurassic park and some of these other movies um that i thought were really cool i'm trying to remember the jurassic park one i think it was towards the beginning um oh yes i think it was with the helicopter oh no no yeah it was the helicopter lands and, you know, guy gets out of the helicopter and they're talking and they go and meet Ken Watanabe in, like, the forest or wherever they are um, to go and deal with the spore that they had found. Uh, and it just was totally reminiscent of the, uh, of the Jurassic Park movies. Um, so I like the little, the little things like that. Um, but to me, just, uh, you know, especially getting into the latter half of the film, the lapses in logic just got to me. And speaking of 9-11... Um, I didn't get, I, I agree that there was, it, in terms of symbolism, I didn't get a lot of, like, you know, beating over the head or uh, manipulation or anything like that. But I will say that um, the fact that 9-11 had happened already, and this is 2014, and these monsters are charging through, destroying way more buildings than ever got destroyed in 9-11, and people are standing in the street, not moving, not going anywhere, and on top of buildings, looking out from windows, I've never seen something so absolutely 100% absurd. I understand that these are giant lizard monsters fighting each other, and it's crazy, and it would be crazy to look at. But also seeing them take out skyscrapers in about half a second, and knowing that this huge event where skyscrapers were t- taken down, uh, and nobody's in basements hiding, nobody's doing anything to sort of avoid what's going on, 
is just, I was literally yelling at the screen. I couldn't believe that they would have huge swaths of people, including Elizabeth Olsen's character, who doesn't, she doesn't leave the city where there's giant monsters coming to destroy, whether she's just seen, you know, and she knows that these things are coming. She doesn't leave with her kid. She doesn't do anything because she's helping as a nurse, but doesn't actually do any nursing as far as we can see uh, as soon as the actual destruction starts happening. And then just stands there in the street. Uh, and by that point, she can she sends off her, her kid, you know, on the bus, which then gets held up on the bridge and nearly destroyed. Um, and... Uh, and then she just stands around the street with, by the way, no spatial record. So we have no idea where she is in relation to the monsters, but somehow she's always in the direct line of fire whenever something's about to fall. Uh, and it's just, at a certain point, the chaos of what was going on, and I don't mean chaos like uh, Battleship Potemkin, uh, Sergei Eisenstein chaos. I mean chaos that did not work for me at all on any level. It was, uh, It was almost unwatchable. I could not figure out what the hell was going on. Oh. Uh, and I, and I was just, I was furious. She was, she was actually the worst, worst parent. And, and, and also same with Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson, worst parent. He should have said, go to Wisconsin. There's no radioactive anything there. Nobody cares. Go to Wisconsin, get into the middle of the country. And if you can get anybody to come with you, go with them and I will meet you there. Don't stay in San Francisco and wait for me to get there. We've already established I can't do anything about these monsters. Nobody can, because they're monsters. And they have, you know, that's the entire premise of the story. So, in my opinion, like, I, I'm i sitting there watching, going, like, get out of San Francisco. Why would you stay there? It doesn't make any sense. Well, to be fair, the film takes place over about 18 hours, two mm-hmm. days, maybe. Sure. Um, so I think there is a time restriction. And, and also, to be fair... They, the city, San Francisco is evacuated by the time the monsters get there, um, almost entirely, and she puts... It doesn't look like it. It looks like there's people in office buildings, they're, like, surprised as it goes by and all the windows break and everything. Well, but there's, you see these shots of cars, like, you know, tons, scores of cars trying to get out of the city in this huge traffic pileup. Right, okay. And then, um, they do get into the shelters at one point. Um, and yeah, you know, I get, I get what you're saying and i think it goes to the you know this audience perspective that movies give us where we think we 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 apply uh logic to character situations it's something that i've done in the past which is probably what you were referring to at the top Um, and i don't generally do it i don't generally do it and that that was what i was referring to i was really surprised that it didn't make your mind boggle well in a situation like this though the reason it didn't was that i mean First off, and you don't have to accept this if you don't want to. I won't blame you. <laughs> um, you know, in our society has never experienced a giant monster attack, yeah, okay. so we we can't really know how, pe- how people would react. It's not like you know, um, a bombing or something. Yeah, or even like a thing like Man of Steel, which was similarly like a bunch of build- and well, there's we can talk about Man of Steel a little bit later, I think, <laughs> in comparison. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's not a thing where, like, just buildings are falling down. This is something where humans have never experienced this before. I People really don't know how to react. I think, obviously, like, knowing the, what we know from our perspective, we know exactly what they should do. But I think maybe, like, we have to, and the movie tries to do this, uh, like I said, put ourselves on the ground and think, like, well, what would you do in that situation? What is there to do? And I think... For Elizabeth Olsen, 
uh, her character, it's, well, people are going to be hurt. I should stay at the hospital for as long as I can. And I should keep my son close until it turns out maybe it'll, you know, it's kind of a snap decision on her part. It'll be safer to just get him out of the city. And she is right. He is safe, you know, and out of the city. Barely, but 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 by no by no uh, nothing she did. I mean, there was a, a moment where he, almost all those kids died, and only because the bus driver, you know, slammed on the the gas uh, the gas and drove over the thing or whatever. Um, but you know, after Aaron Taylor Johnson is like, "No, just stay there and wait for me. I'll come and get you," and then she's like, "Okay," and then they hang up, and then later she gets an opportunity to get her son out. I'm like, "Okay, at least her son can get out," and she's like, "No, my husband's coming." Why? Why would you wait for your husband? You, why would you, anybody do that? Like, I know he might, but like, why would that be good for you? Why, in what way can he protect you? He's a person. So, um... I don't know, I feel I, like... I, know. I know that, I know that, like, we haven't been attacked by giant monsters, but like, just disaster situations, there's protocol, and protocol is often get out, if you can, and they seem to have the facility to do so. So I don't understand why anyone would stay around. And I know that she's, like, supposed to be a nurse or whatever, but she doesn't actually... As soon as the carnage actually starts, she doesn't do anything. She just stands in the street and, like, screams. That's all she does, as far as... Well, we again, say. but that's, that's... That's all humans can do in the face of this thing. You, you know, for all our you know, posturing about being the most powerful species on the planet, um, what, what is she supposed to do, I guess, is, you know, the thing. Like, in the, once these monsters get there, what can she do besides run around in the streets? There's nothing she can do. Is she, you know, except try to try to run away, but they're so gigantic it's kind of you know, futile. And, yeah, you know, if she wasn't a nurse, I would agree with your point. But, again, it's like she would be a first responder. She would not be one of the first people out of the city. She would, if not, she would want to stay, if not be required to stay in order to help people. So, I, yeah, I didn't have a problem with that. I think making her a nurse was smart because it alleviates some of that, whereas if she had just been, like, I don't know, like a teacher or a construction worker or whatever, um, it would have been very different. Harder like, to buy, you, yeah. you, have no, you have no, literally no reason to stay in the city. Mm-hmm. I feel like she did have enough reason, conceivably, to stay as long as she did. Right, yeah. No, I I, I agree that there's there might be some logic there. Um but even then, I, I just feel like there had to be something one could do in that interim period to, like, be better off or protect your your kids. Um, I agree. So, so there might be some logic there. Um, the other thing that I think uh, I would I just like to point out, uh, and it's one of my favorite moments in the film. Uh, it's when uh, <laughs> first of all, the bomb expert somehow has airdrop experience, uh, and not just airdrop experience, but I think it's called. Halo, Halo, drop experience. Halo, yeah. Job, yeah. No, I'm with you on that um, one. That's complete nonsense. How, how? How? And also, he can just insert himself into a unit, and also he somehow got himself onto that yeah, train. That too. Um, that too. It's it's like what? And then he doesn't do anything with his with his like expertise. So like they made him into this like character who could like be the character, but then but then wasn't. And I know you're talking about the this thematic thing there, but then they they get to the bomb, and their plan B is awful. Their plan B is the world's worst plan B and I can't even believe it worked because it's also it's, Batman's plan B in the dark Knight right it is and I actually <laughs> expected it to end like that but I think they want to keep it open for a franchise so uh they didn't want to go the Batman route um uh but it but a terrible but 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 Batman had a plane 
Uh, this was not a good plan. Uh, so they get to the bomb, and they're like, well, we can't get the panel open. Guess we better carry it all the way to the dock. And I'm sitting there, because they're like, we don't have time to open it. I'm like, nobody brought any sort of thing to open this this panel at all. No crowbar, no none of the things that you might possibly use to open such a panel. Uh, and then you have so little time you can't look for something to open it with, and instead you decide the better option is to carry a nuclear weapon. Carry it! I don't even know if that's even possible physically. I don't know how heavy they are. To the ocean, that's a better idea than looking for a way to open it and just shut off the bomb. I just, wow. Wow. Well, okay, wow. okay. In, this, in the universe of this film... <laughs> Apparently, nuclear bombs are incredibly difficult to disarm. That's not true in real life because, you know, it, in real life they make nuclear weapons extremely easy to disarm because... For fail-safes, I'm sure. Yeah. Exactly, because that's the one thing you would want to turn off if you needed to. Right. It's a, it would have just been a big button. Aaron Taylor Johnson's special training would be pushing a button. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in, in or maybe I guess it's like, well, it's an analog thing, so maybe it's different. Whatever. In the universe of this film, nuclear bombs are for some reason insanely complicated. Um, I kind of got the impression that none of the other people in this squad trusted him to do the job. Like none of them had a lot of had enough experience, and they brought him along because he. Had... I can't remember the rest of the squad, so I'm impressed you got that much out of them because I they seem like just people. You they, know, there was yeah, there was one or two lines where they were kind of skeptical, and then you know that's I guess it's like <laughs> I, I mean ultimately like, ultimately, yeah. ultimately this whole scene is them futilely trying to use a bomb which probably wouldn't even work anyway. That I get. That I mean the struggle over that whole thing would make sense. Um, it probably would have worked better if they had if he had died at the end of it because then it would have really emphasized the futility thing uh, because the whole squad dies for the most part and he's really the only one left and then. If he had died, then it would have been like, well, then that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, no, it just, that scene was just, to me, it was hilarious uh, and really just did not make uh, a whole lot of sense. And and it was just a continuation of this. The only value of that scene is that he can get onto the boat, and as he's going away, Godzilla does has that moment where he kills the other Mudo, and it's awesome. It's a really cool scene. Um but uh, ultimately, it just, I don't know, the, the movie just did not work for me, and I was disappointed because Gareth Edwards neither went, again, just to, just to reemphasize this, neither went for the silly campy route, even though he used a lot of the iconography from the silly campy days of Godzilla, uh, and also didn't go for his cool monsters route, where he made a very human story, and not human in that, you know, faceless entity, but human as in, like, a real human story. Um and instead went for this wishy-washy in-between thing that, for me, didn't really work. But it sounds, sounds like you uh, enjoyed yourself. Yeah, um, I actually think... The reason I think it worked is because it mixed those two. Um, that's part of the reason it worked for me. Where there was this kind of element of solemnity, but there it, it wasn't a goofiness. It was more just kind of this... Um, and not even an atmosphere, but just, the, just an energy. Like, it was not... The, it was not a kind of... Um, somber film wow. which the trailers kind of teased which is interesting i preferred the, tra um, the trailers if you edited the trailers together in my opinion because those are the best scenes in the movie aside from the godzilla scenes uh you would have a good godzilla film i think those communicated the 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 only real way you could do a serious godzilla film and there's not a lot of humanity in it but david Strathairn has a great monologue in one of the ads you have that awesome scene where they do the the drop 
I'm glad I didn't know who they were in the trailer because now I I look at that scene like it's ridiculous. Um, so it's funny because I was actually going to say that editing the trailers together into one coherent five minute film would have been preferable as far as I'm concerned. If you're making a Godzilla movie. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It just it really I felt like one of the most important things that this movie does is it's fun to watch and it's satisfying that Godzilla is, um, you know, when when Godzilla kills the the, the Mudos, the Mudos, right? Uh, it's satisfying and it should be because Godzilla is the hero of this film. Right. And, you know, we're not really Godzilla's proxy, though in the way that we are kind of the proxy of the hero in a lot of most a lot right, of movies, right, right. really. No, no, no. And like, you know, it's not us. We're and spectators. Really... We're spectators. Yeah, no, I agree. Exactly, yeah. So it it worked for me. And and the bomb stuff I thought was all fine because ultimately, again, it, I think it would have worked. It would have been worse if they had accomplished anything. Right. I think it works because they don't accomplish anything right. because what can you do? Right. What I think that was intentional. Do? That was thematically intentional. And that, that I totally agree with. It's it's the other more the things you're referring to which sound much more subtle that I just I don't buy them because they're not they're not uh, blatant enough. Not that I need something to be super blatant, but like that was very blatant that this bomb thing was never going to work. They even talk about it several times, um, and they don't apply that level of blat- uh, blatantness to the other aspects of the film, like the everyone's a tool sort of thing. Um, so that was that was just that was just my perspective. And as far as getting like sort of the human perspective on the ground, I think movies. Did you enjoy Cloverfield? I really did. Yeah, actually, I thought that movie was if for what you're talking about, the movie you just described and what you how you felt Godzilla was to me. That was Cloverfield, and that's why I really enjoyed it. Really gave you the impression of like what would happen in this crazy situation where like you don't even have any warning. A monster is just there and starts breaking things. Um, and it was a very different sort of take on the monster movie genre, but it worked for me. Um, I would have liked that, too. That also would have been a cool perspective. But it wasn't perspective, and it wasn't POV enough for that sort of take. Not that I needed a, you know, found footage film. Uh, and it wasn't, like, out, you know, it, it didn't it didn't communicate what you seem to be saying it's communicating it's for me. Uh, well, yeah, it, it, yeah, it communicated it for me, I guess. It's, yeah, yeah. Um, really all, all I can say. Um, I would like to just say one point in the, in the movie, one more point in the movie's favor um, in comparison to uh, Man of Steel. Uh, Man of Steel is a film about, you know, one of the greatest heroic characters of the 20th century. Right. And he spends the last 45 minutes of that film decimating an entire city. Sure. Um, with no regard for human life whatsoever. And that's a that not that complaint is not unique to me. Yes, um, many people have made that complaint. Yeah, and I, yeah, so and the movie as well pays no attention to these this collateral damage really. But more troubling is the fact that Superman apparently has you know isn't interested in taking the fight away from the innocent civilians, which he easily could. Right. Godzilla in this movie is hundreds of feet tall and is not even. You know, he's, he's not even his intelligence is not at a human level, really. As far as we know, yeah. as far as we know, Godzilla at every turn goes out of his way to make sure that humans aren't getting hurt. Like that's a every, very interesting perspective because it seemed to me like he was walking through buildings. Well, if you look at 
you know, if you look at, for instance, the scene at the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. Um, he does avoid the boats a lot. No, 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 I agree. But when he's fighting, it seems like... Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he fights there because that's where they are and he has to. And he, But, for instance, like, as soon as he can, he gets... Um, like when the Mudo is at the edge of this uh, dock, at the edge of the city, right. he makes sure it does not get back in there. Um, you know, when whenever we see him kind of swimming towards boats, when he gets there, he always swims under them so he doesn't, you know, crash into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he doesn't crash through the Golden Gate Bridge. He only crashes through the Golden Gate Bridge, bridge because he's being shot at. Right. Um, otherwise, he would, you know, he was kind of not even pushing against it, just kind of holding it. He, and, you know, he doesn't, knock over buildings unless he's being pushed into buildings he doesn't cause intentionally any you know loss of human life really like not that he can help and i think that's so fascinating because godzilla is a protector of humans so what so what you're saying is that he's a better hero than superman oh my god so much better better. (laughs) Well, Godzilla would make a much better Superman. <laughs> At least as far as uh, the Man of Steel is going You know, I, one thing I'll quickly say about that, and I don't want to get off topic, but um, uh, is that Man of Steel um, did show, like, an early Superman who hasn't really gotten the whole how-to-be-a-superhero thing yet. I mean, he's he's just become Superman, so, you know, I, I would predict in future films he would be more conscious of such things, more cognizant of the fact that he's you know, ruining buildings and people are probably dying and things like that. Um, but, you know, he's untrained and wasn't trained in how to fight. He grew up on Earth. You know, he doesn't have a lot of these things. He has the empathy to be like, I would ideally not kill people if I can, innocent people, but um, I think that that might become more of a thing in future films. But that's a side point. I agree. Godzilla um, was definitely sympathetic in this film. That wasn't the problem. Godzilla wasn't the problem. Again, the Godzilla scenes... Uh, just focusing on as as terrible as they are as parents, just focusing on Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen, cutting out all the Brian Cranston stuff because it just it didn't, I don't care. It has nothing to do with the movie, uh, and paring it down to like an hour, hour and a half maybe at most would make this movie way easier, way more palatable to me. Um, it's interesting because I think it was actually uh, pretty tight, and um, wow, I do even at two hours. Wow. I mean, first of all. I appreciate that. I don't mind two hours. It's the pacing. Pacing is always the problem. Um, Thank you, Godzilla producers, for (laughs) assisting the two and a half hour urge because, um, oh my God, you know, maybe it's a sign of getting older, but I cannot deal (laughs) with even like, if a movie doesn't need to be that long, just don't. I'm so sick of it. I, I honestly, I, I, a movie is never too long if it's a good movie and it's paced. I know, well, I agree, you know? but just like, but even so, if you don't have to do that, please, like, just, just don't. <laughs> like, I mean, the best case of that I would say is are the Lord of the Rings films, where they really, they, the Lord of the Rings films specifically, not the, not the Hobbit films, but the, the Lord of the Rings films are paced in such a way that you tend to forget that it's a they're obscenely long um, because they're just they keep the ball rolling uh, the whole time. So for me, I. I I use those as as my own personal example because I know not everybody likes the Lord of the Rings films necessarily, but they are paced in such a way that along with whereas there are short movies, I mean, Grandma's Boy was one of the most excruciating experiences of my life. I don't know how long that movie was, but it felt like an eternity. Um, oh, I so, was about to say I Frankenstein. Um, there you go. So just went on 
seemingly forever, but I think it was only 90 minutes long. <laughs> exactly. And, it's, yeah, it's no, so, I agree you know, with you, but, so. But at the same time, I just feel like there, you know, it's like, I haven't seen this, the new Amazing Spider-Man 2. That movie's two and a half hours long. I guarantee that movie does not need to be two and a half hours long. Without even seeing it, I can guarantee you they could have cut that down to two hours and and lost very little. Wow. Well, um, I, you should see it, and and I maybe would be I, I've heard extremely negative things from most sources uh, besides movie film, yeah, um, which well, is which interests me. Yeah, which there you maybe go. I, I, I will go see it. Um, um, so ultimately, uh, can we compromise on a score here? Do you want to just um, average them, <laughs> or do you want well, to? Like, I gave us? it an I gave it a nine. I think you gave it a six. I did. I did. Um, oh. hmm. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I would be willing. I would be willing to go for an eighty on this. I'd be you willing to go for an eighty. Yeah. You think? I, 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 I'd go for that. Absolutely. All right, let's go for an eighty. All right. Well, thank you for joining me for the discussion, and uh, I look forward to doing this again sometime. Uh, me as well. All right. Sounds good. <laughs>